Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Oh, I like that. I like that. Like that? Yeah. Uh, this is 50-year-old me. He He's back. He's He's in the second half of life. You're freaking old. Dude, I'm ancient. Like I am in the I am in the second. I don't it's I don't know why they call it halftime. I don't have 50 more in me. Nope. Right? Like I'm I'm it's like three quarter time, dude. I'm lucky if I get to seven. I get to pull the plug. It'll dude, be a lot less. Look at me. I'm like those little dogs. You know, I'm not this big dog. Like little dogs die young. I I'm this little thing. I'm five foot six, man. Little at best, I'm like forever, a British bulldog. Dude. Right, little I'm gonna have heart last, trouble. No, 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 no. Little dogs last forever. It's the the big dogs that die young. You know, it's funny you say that because we got my Dobie and she just turned three. And Andrea goes, "Well, she's about a third through her life. You know, maybe less, maybe half. Sometimes Dobie's kicked dead at six. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. She she so, too beautiful to die. I'm last, I'm gonna fight God on that one. Last Friday was Jamie's birthday. And so oh. I'm like, hey, hey, cougar. Hey, older woman. <laughs> she hates it. This oh is a God. family podcast, Pete Mitchell. I will remind you. I'm just saying she's older than me and she hates <laughs> the fact that I bring, like, I got three good months. That I can oh, like, that's what I was wondering is how many months? Because Andrea's older than me uh, uh, by six. So, I mean. Yeah, no, four, months, four months. Yeah, I got four months to like milk this, and I yeah. do it every year. And she oh, great! Me. Oh, that's great. I never thought of doing that. I guess because I want to stay happily married. Oh, see, that's never been a thought in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a lost cause pipe dream. Nah, don't even think about that. <laughs> when when your kids grow up and listen to this podcast to get their no know their dad better kids we're just teasing about which part 
all of it. Everything, kids. Everything on this podcast was a What's joke. Don't is, take it serious. Like, we started doing this podcast before I had kids. So. We did. Actually, no, maybe Luke had just been born. Maybe. Yeah, because he's 11 now. And we did this. Yeah, later. but I went and saw you in the hospital. So I kind of got to think I we were good friends. We, I don't know if we were doing the podcast then, though. Yeah, I don't know, but we must have been pretty good friends for me to go do a pastoral visit in the hospital because I don't just do that for anyone in my church plant. You were just being a pastor. Come on. I don't I don't know, because it takes a lot for me to like if I'm going to wear a suit. You didn't wear a suit. You better die. No, I'm just saying, like, I suck at being a pastor. If you're going to if you're going to get me in a suit, you either better be dead or so you have to die or you you kind of have to be marrying somebody as a non-believer because i really don't wear suits for christians and if they want me to i'll usually get some oh have charlie do it or how you know have Bo do it uh they're better at weddings than i am i would rather like i will get in a suit for a non-believer because almost every wedding i do i i either lead them to jesus or come close to leading them to christ so i'm like ah that's worth me getting in a suit other than that, I gotta, no. I got to tell you, I got, you brought up a story. So I was talking with a church planner that we both know, and you might even know the story because we both know this guy. I don't want to say his name because I don't know if I'm going to be divulging anything. Here. Okay. But he does, uh, he's basically got a church plant going on in his apartment, right? His whole family. And he was telling Only me. Only know who he is now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was telling me uh, that... Um, they got this couple that came to him and asked him if he would perform their their wedding because they know he's a he's a pastor. But I think like one of them's a Wiccan and the other one's just a total pagan. And so like, but they like respect him because he's totally honest with them and like just a, a regular Joe, not like some pastor jerk off. He's just like, you know, and they they have stuff at the apartment building where they're trying to get to know people and just basically being Christians and he got he got asked to do their wedding, and I guess one of them is like, "Oh, well, I'm still not sure because you're you're a Christian." <laughs> the other one's like, "No, no, he's a good guy. Let's have him do the wedding." So that's so rad. Oh, I know, right, man? That's who we're supposed to be reaching. the The best wedding ever, like for me, is when people are like, "Hey, we want to get married on the beach, so we're gonna wear like Hawaiian shirts and sandals." I'm like, "Let's go!" I'll do your wedding. <laughs> It's like, it's the suit. I'm telling you, that's what I can't handle is the suit. You did it for Barry. But did you see that photo bomb I did? That was my inner angst coming out. Dude, that was the, the greatest photo bomb in the history of photo bombs. So if you guys don't know Barry, uh, we talk about Barry and he's, I actually do the team leadership podcast with him and, and Andrea, my wife. If you want to see what a woman who would actually stay married to me is like, you can go on that podcast and just kind of, it's, it's like a circus freak show, you know, like, oh, well, just gawk at us, you know, wow, someone married to Peyton. But Here's the deal. Uh, when we did his wedding, they were doing the photos and I must have walked. I must be like 300 feet back, right? Like I walked around this building. We were up in the mountains. I walked way around and got way in the distance and made pulled like the raddest face, like almost like, what? you know, and uh, just kind of like this look of disapproval. And I'm off in the distance and the photographer never 
even saw me standing there. But when you look at that picture, you can see me in the background. When you zoom in, oh my gosh, it's clear that it was intentional. Oh, Pretty yeah. dang funny. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm proud of that one. It was good for sure. And they're so, like, that was our best shot too. <laughs> so the family is uh, in California right now. The what? The family. Oh, wow. You know, if you were here, we probably still wouldn't get together, would we? No, not at all. That's that's our pattern. I don't go to California because I'm not turned into a pillar of salt. I read the story. I know how it works. <laughs> yes, you did flee that. And that actually brings us to our topic today, which is politics and how to navigate your church plant through this minefield. Like <clears throat> right now at the time of recording, politics are kicking off like they do. I mean, they're they're never tame in America now. We've gotten to the level of being beyond stupid politically. I mean, we're just talk about gawking at a circus freak show. That's us. American politics is a sideshow attraction, right? You might as well be on Route 66 and be like, hey, check out the giant dinosaur forest. This is kind of how we are now. The rest of the world looks in and goes, I can't, right? Like that, it's just, it's a freak show. So when you go into church, I mean, I am finding almost every Christian that I'm talking to right now, that's all they could talk about. It's almost like it is just superseded anything and everything else. Um, which when you when you live in Brighton or other kind, it, it's not like that. So I, I guess in a weird way, American politics polarizes emotionally, um, and it, and in many ways, uh, that's where the money is. If you can get people to polarize emotionally, you can, you know, you can <laughs> you can manipulate quite easily. Right. If you can grab someone's emotions, you can manipulate them. You learn that in life. You learn that in business. You learn that in sales. But that's what politics is doing. So, uh, how do we navigate it in a way to where we're representing Jesus and not just getting caught up in the polarization? And I, I would say the trap of the enemy, because when I read the wheat and the tares, right? Um, Jesus says, Hey, an enemy's done this, right? Like someone got in here and sowed things in here that don't like we're calling this wheat, but this ain't wheat, right? Like we're, we're, we're doing this. Uh, something's wrong here. And he says that happens in the kingdom of God. So thoughts, Pete, I mean, it's just setting up the problem a bit. Well, no, I mean, I totally get it because, and we've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, I am. I'm my, my pastor from California was out last week and uh, he calls me up one day. He's like, Hey, you got time for lunch today? I'm like, yeah. You know, my real pastor. Not, what not. Dustin? He was out. He came out just to see me. No. For lunch he is your real. I concede. I mean, he came to Texas to see you. I, I concede. He deserves you. You you uh you come to Texas and don't even let me know you're out here. So I, I see how you are. <laughs> no, I haven't been out yet. Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, he was out and we were talking and I was I was telling him about this experience that I think I shared on the podcast before. And um, I was at this uh, this group. There, there's there's a thing called Holy Smokes. It's like it's a lot of pastors and people in the church and they get together and they smoke cigars and talk. 
And uh, I guess it's like a, a closed Facebook group because some of them are pastors and like they get crap from their congregants that they smoke cigars, which I always found was funny. So when we were at this, this meeting and this guy, man, I, I am literally, I am the most conservative person I know. And, um, and I'm telling this story to, to Justin and I'm like, you know, this guy, man, I'm like, thinking you got to turn off rumble <laughs> like he was like this is me the most conservative guy right knows. and i'm sitting there going dude he's too far <laughs> like <laughs> he's he is way too <laughs> far and, and he was like okay if you're saying it then that guy's gotta be and I, I was just like and it reminds me of the line from uh we had coleman luck on one time and one of the books he wrote we didn't have him on for this book was I believe it's called the the cult of conservatism or something like that. I remember you read it too. And he had a great line in that book, one that's always stood out to me. And he goes, 2000 years ago, Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. 2000 years, his followers have been trying to prove him wrong. Right. And that's, that's what I think of when I think of politics in America, because like I said, I'm the most conservative person I know. And yet when we were at Long Beach, which is not conservative at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a very liberal area. And we planted in the heart of the rainbow district. So go exactly, figure. Exactly, right? I mean, we had, you know, transsexual prostitutes. We had lesbians. I'm sure some of them were homosexual. I mean, we had every third. I knew everyone's secrets about a third of our congregation. Sure was, yeah, Sure you did. So it was like when we were there, it was just like, all right, we're here for Jesus, not to like change someone's political views, not to get them to vote, you know, my way, whatever yeah. my way might be. And we just, we didn't, we didn't bring it up. Like right. we didn't. And the only times we brought stuff up were when it could have been taken political, but it was a cultural issue. Right. More, uh, you know, the protests and uh, uh, I mean, so many times we had to deal with, um, what happens to a lot of black people in America? Because that hurt our church. That like what would be going on in another part of the country, they would be like affected by it. Cause they're right. like, you know, this is what we experience here. And um, and so I mean, you know, as as white guys, we gotta realize the world isn't the world doesn't treat everybody the same. Like yeah. we get treated differently for sure. Like I can totally see that. I mean. We've talked about it before on the podcast. Uh, I did a podcast with Dan Sams for 100 or so episodes. And he told me about this uh, guy that was like an elder at his church. And he was late to one of the meetings one time. And he's like, oh, I got pulled over. That's why I was late. And Dan's like, oh, did you get a ticket? And he goes, no, I didn't get a ticket. I just got pulled over. He's like, you got pulled over and didn't get a ticket? He's like, yeah. He goes, how many times have you been pulled over? And he goes, I don't know, in the last year, maybe... 12 times. And he's like, what? He's like, well, I never get a ticket. And then Dan, it finally clicks in his head. It's like, oh, driving while black. That's why this guy keeps getting pulled over. Right. Like it it is a completely different experience that other people are going through. Right. Than what we go through. And so when it comes to politics, like, even though I know how I feel about issues, it's like, but that's not the point, like I look at my neighbors here in Texas, um, which is considered a red state, but I don't live in a red area. 
I mean, right. I just don't. Like right. I can tell my neighbors who I've had over, I'm like, oh, they're liberal. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> I totally know they're liberal, right? And hey, hey, I I saw that Texas series that the Babylon Bee put out. Yeah, I, I know they live there. They do. They do. It's funny though, man. I mean, because all I'm thinking in the back of my head is, look, guys, I'm not going to hide that this is how I feel about things. But you got to understand, I'm from California. All my friends are liberal. <laughs> like, oh, do you think you're you're easy to hide? What? But how many American flags and 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 NRA stickers do you have on? You know. Well, first it, of all, uh, no NRA stickers, and that's because I don't believe in the NRA. Uh, and secondly, uh, I have Texas flags because I'm a Texan before I'm a right, American. right. Dead giveaway, uh, conservative. But you know, it, it's funny because this is what you guys listening out there. You have to understand, Pete and I, uh, d- regardless of any political views that we have, um, it's how we conduct ourselves. Um, Paul kind of says, "Hey." You know, he writes to the to the Thessalonians, you know, if you remember, they thought that they had missed the return of Christ. And there was a little confusion in the first century. Jesus said some things like, hey, no one standing here will taste death before all these things are fulfilled. Or uh, you will not have gone through all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man returns. Um, and people go, well, wait a second. What does that, what does that mean? You know, like, did did he... AD 70, right? Like it's the only consistent way to actually explain that. Now I know I've just upset. This is going to be one. We're just going to upset you all day today, but here's the deal, right? Um, there was confusion and the false teachers had come in and they had told, uh, you know, the Thessalonians, Hey, you missed it. He came back and Jesus said, didn't he like, Hey, lightning that's visible in the lab in the East, you know, or lightning strikes in the East visible in the West, by the way, I'm jet lagging and now I'm 50. So I'm a little, little old and see now, but here's the thing. Um, he said, look, he goes, uh, he goes, look, uh, these things have to happen first. The man of lawlessness, you know, so you look at 80, 70, all that stuff, boom, right? And he goes, you're not going to miss, you know, yada, yada. But this is the deal. Um, I still believe in the imminent return of Christ, this and that. But Paul had to tell him that what was happening is their bad belief was causing bad behavior, right? They're like, oh, I guess we just sit around because Jesus came, we missed it. And the the teaching in the secret rapture actually seems to be contradicted when you read it in, in con, context. The Thessalonians are like, oh, okay, I, I see. But Paul's concern, the reason he writes, is their witness was being destroyed by their by their bad behavior. They just stopped working. They're like, well, the end's coming any minute. Then you know, all these things happen that Jesus said. Uh, we we might as well just fold everything up, fold our hands, just wait for the end. And uh, Paul's like, hey, no, you got to work with your hands. You got to be a good neighbor, good citizen, you know, do like you're actually bringing the cause of Christ into disrespect and scorn by your bad behavior. And I think when you go on social media, I believe um, what Gary Vaynerchuk says that Social media hasn't created anything new. It's just exposed what's always been, right? It just has provided a megaphone. And so for a long time, people have transposed the kingdom 
of republicanism or democrat um with the kingdom of god if you find a democrat who's a christian uh, nine times out of ten they think their party is the kingdom of god on earth if you find a republican nine times out of ten they think their party is the representation of the kingdom of god on earth and it's just simply not so and that's the problem that we're having nowadays is that that kind of bad thinking is leading everyone to bad knows, behavior. Everyone knows the Libertarian Party is God's kingdom on earth. <laughs> well, there's them too, right? Or the Solidarity Party or you know whatever party it is that you, you know, oh, that's the representation of the kingdom of God on earth. And the problem is it's not. And, and unbelievers are very quick to see this. They know Jesus. They know what they know about Jesus. What I sometimes think, People outside the kingdom understand the kingdom better than people inside the kingdom. Mm. I know that's a, a severe statement, but we get it wrong because maybe we attach ourselves to one element of our party, the morality. So if you're on the right, you tend to focus on the morality and the the, the work ethic, the, you know, all these things, the sense of justice over here on the left, you tend to focus on elements of compassion and all, all these things, you know, equality, these things are all part of the kingdom of God. All of those are there helping people out in need. Who can say that the kingdom of God isn't all of these, but no earthly system? So let's get into the how. How do we navigate how to treat people um, when we see this? If you're planting a church, um, I don't know, Pete. I mean, let's go back to Long Beach for a second. Do you remember anything that uh, regards to the core team? Because I we had to deal with this. I don't remember the core team having to deal with this, but I wasn't really a part of the core team. I was just you kind of were. I guess you were along, right? I like just, you were I just kind of looked in from the sides. Hey guys, how y'all doing over there? You you were thinking the whole time, how do I let Peyton know I'm not staying here? <laughs> Peyton kind of tricked me into coming to this thing. Well, I think too, you know, part of the reason, and I, I want people to understand why we're bringing this up now is because right now everything is so politically charged, you know, mm. what we've had happen politically here with recently the Trump indictment, that's what's on everyone's mind. Well, I don't know if it's on everyone's mind. I just kind of look at it as, you know, crap, more crap we've got to deal with. But I, I understand like both sides. You know, those who love the dude and those who hate the dude, it's like it, this is a polarizing moment. And so, you know, that's what that's what people want to talk about. That's what I think you're going to have people talking about at your church. You know, let's say we were in Long Beach. And if that conversation would come up, I guarantee you a good 98 percent of the people that attended Long Beach would be like, fry the guy, <laughs> you know, death penalty. <laughs> like, yeah, it was it was a liberal area. Like that's just what it was. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you deal with that when that is the conversation that is going on in people's minds? You know, as a marketer, that's what I'm always telling people they got to do. You, you cannot create a conversation in someone's mind. You can only tap into the conversation that's already going on. Yeah. They're already thinking about you know, <laughs> Trump and obviously we got an election coming up. Uh, so, you know, all of that stuff, we got the primaries going on for the Republicans and there's still the question, you know, who's going to be the Democrat? Will it be Biden? He said it's going to be, will it be Newsom? Who's like hoping, hoping beyond hope that it'll be him. 
mean, you know, so it's like, this is the conversation in people's minds. Yeah. And I, I think Jesus tried to really steer people clear of getting too politically active in the name of the kingdom. Like, for example, um, when they're like, hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because Caesar was, if if you back then, like, that was the only time where there was a theocratic kingdom. There actually was a government called Israel that was God's government, right? It 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 was a thing. Um, and it it had prophet, priest, king as its, you know, kind of leadership. If you want to talk about a balance of power, they they had all that. Um, the king had to answer to the priest, the priest had to answer to the king, you know, the prophets checked them both. Like it was all, it was all a thing, right? But um into that, they tried to trick Jesus saying, hey, uh, should we pay taxes, right? Because this is a man, if you think about it, this was a man who claimed to be God. And so they're, they're, we sometimes l- lose the nuances of what was actually at stake and what was going on and what they were asking. And Jesus just goes, hey, hold up a coin. Whose image is on that? Caesar's? Well, he made it. It's his, right? Give it back to him. Um, but what about you? Whose image is on you? God's. So give yourself to him. Like that, that is amazing, right? And we have to be able to draw that distinction. Like, hey, there's a, not saying don't get involved politically, don't do it, but do not conflate the two, right? God's image is not stamped on any political party, but it is stamped on the church, right? So the the church it's it's give to give to God what's God you know and and here's here's the thing we talked about the witness out in the world but let's talk for a second about pleasing God because that's the context Paul puts that in he says to Timothy no soldier who wants to please his commanding officer gets involved or entangled is the word in civilian affairs. I would say that the church today right now is entangled. It's a perfect word. And I don't think it's pleasing to the commanding officer. I think the commanding officer is as grieved as the world is turned off. Um, I think that that for Jesus, like you said, he made the point over and over. Hey, guys, <laughs> my kingdom is not of this earth. Right. Like uh, all the stuff you were saying earlier, Jesus continued to say that kind of stuff, even to the point where there was a temple on earth that represented like what God had told him. And Jesus was like, I'm going to destroy this temple. Right. And like there, he said, my kingdom is spiritual. Like we, we've got to understand the kingdom of God is spiritual. It is not like the kingdom of earth. And so I I don't think we're pleasing God himself when we attach religion with politics. I'm not saying they have to be completely separate. There are times where religion ought to inform politics on multiple levels. For example, in slavery, it did in the abolishment of slavery, and it was good. Um, It was also used to uh, propose um, slavery. Um, so, but it was used to free. And then the civil rights, the Bible was used by Martin Luther King Jr. to, um, free. And again, even the constitution itself, 
You know, we, we, we are given inalienable rights from our creator. We're endowed with inalienable rights. There, there was it informed, but they did not want a religious government. They wanted the opposite because they had seen the abuses of that. So as Americans, I feel like we're in this unique position to keep them separated, informed yet separate. And to be really clear about that, to speak into the weaknesses of both parties to me shows your integrity as a spiritually minded person. And people on both sides, when I've had that argument, usually can agree, but then they'll say, yeah, but we're in this war, Peyton, and we got to fight it, you know, like, and I'm like, yeah, but what were you fighting? Are you fighting the good fight? Or are you fighting the fight laid out for you by men who want power? You got to ask yourself, which fight him? The good fight. When Paul says, I fought the good fight, he wasn't fighting a political fight. He was fighting against the for well, Peyton, we are fighting the forces of Satan through the Democratic Party. Or if you're on the other side, it's the Republican Party. The reality is the kingdoms of men, this just warring empires with men that want power. And they will use religion on both sides. Both sides are using religion. Make no mistake. Both sides are using religion. And they will manipulate you as far as they can. But, you know. So for me, the way to navigate it, um, going back to Refuge Long Beach, I brought it up back when we were there. I'd say, hey, guys, I've laid it out. Hey, we're about to cross over the orange curtain. When we do, um, you are no longer a Republican or a Democrat. Now, and Orange so County. everyone understands that the Orange Curtain is what everyone would say, the line when you go to Orange County as opposed to L.A. County. Orange County, heavily Republican. You know, was. It's not even was. was. That's true. That's true. And so we said, look, if we cross over, because the next city over, if you didn't count Seal Beach, the next city over was Long Beach, right? Because Seal Beach was a teeny little thing. Um, but Huntington Beach and Long Beach backed up against each other, and it was right on the border of L.A. and Orange County. And so my sending church was in Orange County, and I just said, guys, you got to leave your politics. When you cross that county line, you leave your politics in Orange County. And people got it. Like, I was, I was pretty strong on it. I'm like, I'd rather you don't come than you ever start preaching right-wing Republican. And had it been the other way around? I would have said the same, right? Like uh, there is a movement right now in, um, particularly in the missional circles I'm in, to stand against, um, because there's a lot of peer pressure to stand against right-wing people. And I think sometimes uh, because I've come out of a very right-wing, and I think evangelicals tend to be, um, I think it comes off like we're angry and upset at right-wing people. We're not, right? It's just... It's it's maybe the predominant, but but it's going to go the other way eventually. And I think other people are guilty. Like I'll see people bashing right wing, and they're just so clearly left wing in their in their presentation. They're just parenting parroting the other side in the name of Christianity. They're equally guilty of the same thing, and that's why it's like, dude, just shut up, stay in your lane, man. Like, don't get entangled. Just preach the gospel, right? Um, and if you're going to be politically active, be politically active in the name of politics, not in the name of God. Because whenever, I don't know if you've noticed this, Pete, but whenever religion and politics um, go to bed together, um, the religion is always the one that ends up used. 
not the other way around. Um, religion never comes out better for going to bed with politics. Politics always, the, the political agenda is always strengthened by religion and religion is always weakened by politics. Every single time it is a parasitic relationship. Yeah. You know, I remember, uh, I, I wanted to say it was C. Everett Krupp, and I don't know for sure if it was him or not. But whoever it was, was somebody of his stature, right? You know, former Surgeon General type thing. And uh, he was friends with this dude who was a well-known homosexual. And he was being interviewed one time. And they're like, you know, how can you hang out with someone like that? You know, and that's against your beliefs as a, a Christian. And he just goes, I'm amazed that he would hang out with someone like me. Right. Because he knew, like, he understood the ramifications of sin in his own life. And I think that's one of the big things that we neglect when it comes to all things political is it's always those guys that are all jacked up. Yeah. And we forget just how disgusting we are at our core yeah. and who we are. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we're no better. We're yeah. no better. Right. I mean, I think you have to have that mindset, that mentality. Like when you're, when you're talking to people, look, I might disagree with them on this issue. Like to me, I would say, you know, abortion is one of the, the key issues um, because it, to me, it just represents such a, an evil act, right? You know, the, the killing of an innocent child. But when I'm talking to someone who's like, no, this is my right. You're taking away my rights as, as a woman, you're taking away. It's like, you, you, I can't, I'm not going to influence you for Christ by getting you to change your thoughts or your actions over here. Like you have to get saved first. Right. If, if we want God to invade all the other areas of your life. I remember, um, I remember at Refuge Long Beach, you were preaching one day and you'll remember the gal. She speaks up and she's like, well, what about me? I'm a lesbian. And, you know, does God still love me? And you're like, look, if I was left up to my own devices, I'd be sleeping around with women everywhere. Like you're you're you weren't trying to like fix her sexual uh you know orientation. It was like, look, let's get you saved first. I still remember you saying this afterwards to the core team. You're like, we gotta let God handle all the sex stuff. Our job is just to you know bring the gospel to people and yeah. let them get to know Jesus, and then we can start, you know seeing how God's going to work in their life in all these other areas. You know, it, it's so funny that you say this, because this is where I think it goes back to, it goes back to the gospels. Like I'm doing Matthew right now for through the word. And I'm just amazed by how Matthew groups things together. He's an accountant and no, he doesn't have autism. Stop getting your theology from, from uh, the chosen. But, you know, as, as I'm going through it, he really does group things. Like he organizes things thematically like an accountant or tax collector would in his gospel. It's pretty cool. But as, as you're going through all these people that Jesus meets, right? Like he's got a whole chapter where everyone's desperate and they just fall down at his feet or they're begging him. And it, it's just so precious. The, the leper in Matthew, it's like, if you're willing, you can make me clean first miracle in the book. And, and Jesus goes, I'm willing. 
you know, like it's just so precious to me. And, and, and as you start going through, it's like these, the leper was the gross one. The lepers of our day are the LGBTQ. And if you're watching all the right-wing pundits and all those shows, those are the enemy. Those gays, those this, those LGBT, you know, like they're after your kids and sure, you know, there's, there's, I'm not cool with Target putting stuff for kids. I do think it's hitting the fan with kids and it's good to see people going, Hey, look, leave my kids out of your, you know, any talk of sex that should creep anyone out. I get that. But most, I would, I would actually say that probably the majority of gay people I've known over the years would agree with that. And say, yeah, we don't know what these corporations are doing. They've got to be sitting there, many of them that I know, saying, hey, we're not responsible. Please don't. You know, it's like when you watch dumb, dumb, dumb Christians do stuff and you're trying to tell people, you know, hey, this I, I don't agree with that. You know, like I don't that that's not us. You know, don't judge us harsh for that. Like a couple numb nuts out there doing and I and, and like I said, the majority of people out there get it. They're like, yeah, no, keep kids out of this. The majority of gay people I've known are like, no, man, like pedophilia is disgusting and wrong and gross. And and people will equate gay people if you watch all the things with pedophiles. So so you gotta be careful, you know, because when you're when you're looking at Jesus, is Jesus gonna demonize every gay person out there? Is he gonna sit down on the side of a well? with a gay person like a Samaritan woman and have a conversation. And the Samaritan woman says, why, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Right? Like that's how Jesus was. Why is he touching a leper? Why, why is he letting the woman with the issue of blood who's also unclean touch him? And then he looks at her and calls her daughter. It's the only time he uses that term in, in scripture, calls her daughter. And everybody else has called her gross for the last 12 years of her life. So you you look at that in the Gospels and you go, okay, I maybe need to fast from political talk shows or YouTube videos or whatever, because I actually think that a number has been done on our mindset where we can't think like Jesus anymore about people, right? Like we we actually, we've lost the frame of reference. It's been created for us by people with an earthly mindset and we can't think from heaven's perspective anymore about people. That's my thought. Mm. As controversial as it is, guys, I'm sorry. I bloke up. <laughs> how would you say though, how do you address issues, the political issues of the day? Is it just, you don't address them? It's a good question. I mean, because obviously there are things that, that we do need to to speak up on. Yeah. And well, part of that here, is because of our form of government where we do have a voice, right? I mean, that's yeah. the whole thing is we're a government of the people. So yeah. how, how do we address it? Well, and that's, that's kind of the thing is I don't think it's wrong to go through a series of scriptures on politics. That's what I would do. If I were pastoring right now today, I would, and I, and I am actually, um, you and I talked about a scenario that have unfolded with us last Sunday, um, which kind of informs this podcast. Um, but it, which I said, I won't make public, you know, but, um, here's the deal. <laughs> I actually 
would go through, and I may do this, I'm, I'm weighing it through, but if it were something like if, if we, cause we're a really small core team, so it doesn't quite seem to be um, exactly what we would need to do. But if, when it's more of a, when you've got a little bit more of an established uh, way of doing things, I would say, go through the scriptures where Jesus addresses political issues and then Paul addresses political issues and see if you can do, okay, we're going to look at this scripture, that scripture, this scripture, and you draw the conclusions out of it and you walk people logically through the mindset they need to have. And you put it in the context of, hey, we are entering into a fever pitch as American society. We do this, you know, every couple of years, it lasts for two years and then it goes, it dies down for about two years and then it ramps up again. Um, it's, it seems kind of like half of our existence, we're going through this in some way, shape or form. So that would be to me the best way to deal with it. And I, and it may take a couple of weeks actually, but what you're helping to do is you're actually helping people to think biblically. And there will probably need to be some repentance. Now, I will tell you, it's a hornet's nest. Um, when you do this, people are going to hate you. I guarantee there are people listening to this podcast today that are done with us now, right? Because we didn't say what they wanted to hear. Um, there are going to be leaders, pastors that think we're sellouts or whatever, because we did not come out flag waving for their side, right? We took a neutral position, said, hey, we got our own political views. But when it comes to representing Christ and the gospel, you've got to keep it separated. Um, and I hate that I almost quoted the offspring because they're the worst band ever. Hopefully I got rid of some of, some of the rest of you now, but it's a deal. And, and I'm not trying to get rid of it. We're trying to help people, but some people, th this is case in point, they will be beyond help on this. Um, you will have people that regardless of what you say, if you address politics, they will say, that you have not addressed it strongly enough. You have compromised, you have sold out. And then by nature of you not bringing it up, if you go, well, I ain't doing that then, you can still have the same problem as it ramps up with the same people telling you, why aren't you bringing this up? So just know it's inevitable. You're going to be dealing with it, which is kind of why we chose that as a topic today. Which is, I mean, you actually bring up another point that I was blown away at this. So our, our mutual church planning friend he was uh, a pastor of a, a big church down in the houston area of texas and he'd been preaching on um basically diversity and and he literally had i could not believe it dude he literally had board members coming up to him going hey look that's great and all but you need to stop preaching about this. They got their church. We got our church. And I was like, whoa, I know. Right. I'm like, wait, this is in the two thousands. <laughs> like, like they were that blatantly racist. <laughs> like, just, wow. And he's like, oh yeah, it happened more than once. He goes, I had board members. I had, you know, key people in the church coming up to me. Hey, you, you got to stop preaching about this inclusion and, and reaching all these other people. And, and I'm like, I'm dumbfounded by that. Right. Cause I'm looking at that going, look, I know how I feel about things, but I can still have a conversation with people who disagree with me. And we talk, yeah. we talk things out, man. And I mean, I'm cool with that. Let's talk. Yeah. 
I mean, but yeah, that's disheartening. I mean, you and I talked about the little mermaid, right? That the little mermaid, uh, I have two little girls of color. So when I saw that she was a different color, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Wonder why they did that. Um, is it for inclusion? Well, you, you know, you've got, um, you know, the, the princess and the frog, you know, Tiana. Well, I'm sure it was done for inclusion. It, well, right. and, and the thing is, though, is when, when you watch the movie, you know, they, they put, if, if you listen to all the stuff before, it was just full hate. Oh, Disney. And when you actually watch it, each one of the seven seas has a representation for that part of the world. And she's in the Caribbean. So they said, you know, actually, it, it makes more sense because we put in a Caribbean context and not have her be a red haired white girl in the Caribbean. It actually, if you go back, go, yeah, you know, they might have made a mistake the first movie because this actually makes more sense being that she was in the Caribbean. So you go back and you do that. Okay, that makes sense. And all of them represent whatever sea or ocean that they're in. And it worked. And I actually was like, okay, this is cool. But, you know, I'm always kind of like, don't take other people's uh, heroes, like, like you know, maybe create a new hero. I, I actually think that's good. Or like they do with Captain America, where they're like, hey, you know, Steve Rogers is retiring. And then the other guy comes in, Falcon comes in. That works. That's cool. I'm good with that. But there was a lot of hate. And it actually, I remember them saying, oh, and during Kiss the Girl, the boy cries. Because they make it, you know, so it's not, none of that was true. None of that was, he got splashed in the face by water. And I'm like, dude, like people just go rabid right now um, over things. And there's some, you and I talk, there are some clear cases of them taking prop, IP properties and wrecking them sometimes. And other times it's unjustified for the hate. And in the, in the case of Little Mermaid, again, just listening to the right wing pundits, you would have come out on on a complete misrepresentation of what Disney actually did with that. And I'm not defending Disney. Disney does dumb things all the time. So well, just so anyways, we're clear, though, just so we're clear, I'm still not going to go see The Little Mermaid. <laughs> That's to yeah, do with that. yeah, no, that that makes sense. I have two girls. We keep watching all these girly things recently. So, but anyways, hey, we are out of time, and uh, just want to remind you guys if you like the podcast, do all the things. And if you want to support the work that uh, I do, uh, be sure to head on over to newbreedtraining.com. You can become a recurring donor there. I want to encourage you. Pete gets none of that money. So don't worry. If you want to give, uh, don't worry. Your money's safe. Pete gets none. (laughs) But if you want to give Pete your money, head on over to missionbybusiness.com. Yeah, exactly. Go go on over there and give Pete money so he can give you more back, right? He can he could put gas in your tank and get you to do stuff. I sell money at a discount. You give That's me a little bit, right. I give you a lot. He will change your life. He actually has. But I do want to encourage you over at NewBreedTraining.com. We are doing a campaign called the 300, like David's Mighty Men. We're trying to collect 300 donors at 25 a month. So if you want to pay it forward, it's a low ask, 25 bucks a month. Uh, We'll have more on this in future. But I want to encourage you to head on over, sign up to Recurring Giving, NewBreedTraining.com. And uh, we'll send you a free gift and get in touch with you. And with that, Pete, sign us out. If you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going, do what nobody's doing, and not talk about politics.